0: Hi everybody, welcome again to another episode of the Shop Notes Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Huber. Today's episode is number 78, joined by Logan and John, as always, back from vacation so that the band is back together. I hope you enjoy today's show.
1: This episode of the Shop Notes Podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Magazine. Woodsmith Magazine has been the trusted source for all your woodworking information for over 40 years from tips and techniques to furniture projects to shop projects. You'll find it all at Woodsmith Magazine. Subscribe today at woodsmith.com. So if we were a band, what stereotypical band people would we be? Hmm. Like, Phil would be the front man?
2: I think, is the drummer usually like the weird one? I think so. Like kind of the weird outcast?
1: Yeah. would probably be me then. I feel like I'd be the guy that'd be like, crowd surfing, probably too drunk to stand on the stage or I'm just like on base. Yep. Basically.
2: I can be a backup dancer.
1: (laughs) Nobody (laughs) wants to see that.
2: You know what? They're going to see it.
0: Uh, (laughs) Maybe they do want to see it's one of those things where you do want to see it, but you're just never going to admit that.
2: Nobody. You're not going to unsee it, that's for sure. <laughs>
0: nope. So.
2: Yeah, so this is the first time I think we've all been together in about a month. Yeah. I mean, all the vacations. and Because
0: I think you were gone for, what, two podcasts yep. prior to, and then I was out? Yep. Let me tell you, there's a reason that they call it Swamp East Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No offense to my family that lives down there, because I had a blast with them. But, you know, here in Iowa, because of all, and this is what a lot of people from other parts of the country don't necessarily understand. So, this is our, our geography portion of today's show: is that uh, even though Iowa is in the northern part of the nation and the Midwest, it gets pretty humid here. And that has to do with corn. Mm-hmm. Because corn transpires a lot of moisture into the air. So it gets pretty humid. Mm-hmm. However, there is like a whole nother level of humid down down in that part of Missouri. Yeah. Even though the percentages are about the same, you know, you know like I've experienced, you know, X percent humidity here. Down there, I don't know what it is. They have... They have a different logarithmic scale as to what percentages of humidity they can accomplish. Yeah, because it's yeah, like humid, spooning the air and just humid heat like... is
2: like a whole another ball game that people yeah. from Arizona and Las Vegas and that area don't understand. Because we had Jimmy Clues here from Las Vegas last yeah. week, and what he say he got out of the shower and dried off, and then. Two seconds later, he's wet again. Yeah,
1: he, like, came upstairs. I'm making coffee, and he's like, I mean, Jimmy being English, he's like, bloody hell, I can't get dry. (laughs) I was like, what do you mean? And uh, he said, oh, I I got out of the shower, dried off, walked to the room, got dressed, walked upstairs, and I'm just as wet as when I got out of the shower. Mm -hmm. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, stuff doesn't evaporate here near as quickly as back out in Vegas.
2: Yeah, I was, I was gone in um, mid-June to uh, central Florida, the swamps of Orlando, and it was hot and humid down there in the 90s and rained every day, and it was pretty miserable. But then I looked at the weather for Iowa, and it's like, I'm glad I'm not there because it was <laughs> hotter and humider, if that's word, uh. here. So, yeah, the Midwest has a whole different ball game when it comes to weather, so – but I'm, yeah. Well,
1: I don't know. This week's pretty nice, though. It's cooling
0: yep. off a little yep. bit. Right. And we've had a few days of clouds to kind of temper that a little bit. So,
1: yeah. And I'm actually taking off for vacation this afternoon. And we're going northwest to, to Rushmore, which it's supposed to be warm, right? I mean, in the Dakotas, you kind of get the same temperature we have here. But what I it what it appears and people that are from the Dakotas could probably correct me if I'm wrong, is there's a much bigger temperature swing. So like the nights are much cooler than they are here. So mm. yeah, it may still get to the eighties or nineties in the during the day, but they're still dropping into the fifties at night. It's kinda like it's kinda like the desert where it gets really cold at night but really hot during the day. Hmm. Um, I don't know why that is, but you know, even though it's supposed to be like mid 80s when we're there it's still supposed to be dropping down to like 55 at night i'm like okay yeah i can deal with that open up the camper windows turn the fans on and suck some cool air inside right so Mm. but yeah
2: and that concludes our podcast for the day
0: (laughs) (laughs) weather report Wow. You can do that.
1: I sure can do. I've been waiting. I've had, I've been hovering over that button (laughs) this entire, what six minutes we've been on here
0: thinking like John is going to say something. (laughs) I know that needs a rim shot. Yep. Yep.
1: So no, speaking of humidors, this, this brings up an interesting, we didn't really have a plan for today. Everybody's thinking you guys have a plan for regular podcasts. No, not usually. We do not. Uh, it's made me think of something though. So, I, I showed you guys something that I was working on, you know, testing out yesterday a little bit. So, one of the upcoming projects I'll be working on for uh, popular woodworking is going to be a humidor. We're speaking about humidity, right? Sure. So, a humidor. And. My plan right now for this humidor is to do some like heavily burned and textured exterior on the box to kind of give it like a nice tactile feel. It gives it a really dull black color, good texture. Um, and this is this is something that Jimmy and I were talking about last week when he was here. What's your guys' opinion on when, when, does, when does something no longer become woodworking and it becomes more art or is it a very blurry line so and, and in particular we're talking uh we were talking about <laughs> a gentleman that lives in ireland uh by the name of pat carroll uh, and pat is an extremely talented woodturner and pat is very very artistic with some of his stuff he does and jim, jim and i were sitting on the on the the deck one night um drinking some guinness because he's obviously from england and that's what he drinks. And we had a philosophical debate about when, <coughs> when does turning or woodworking in general, let's just say woodworking in general, stop being woodworking because more of the effort and more of the technique went into the finishing and artistic side of it than the woodworking side. Hmm.
2: I'd say when I can no longer draw it in our 3d modeling program of inventor, <laughs> that's when it's art. I'm turning it over I'm, to an artist to draw.
1: Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough.
2: Because <laughs> I can't dimension that or draw it, extrude it, any of that stuff. Now it's art. Okay. That's to me. That's my engineering brain. Okay. So
1: so you want to be able to CAD program, draw yeah. it.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. That's one way. Yeah. I guess I, when I... And it's funny because I've listened to several podcasts and other discussions on the same topic, not necessarily related to woodworking either. And I guess for me, the difference relates to it's physical practicality in, in, in the sense that there are. You know, pieces of woodworking that are ostensibly furniture, you know, but it's a chair, but you would never sit in it and it would never be comfortable. Okay. And, and the way I say it, physical practicality is because it's not that art has no use. It's just that the function of art is different than, uh It's not a physical. A physical Mm -hmm. practicality or physical function in the sense that, you know, you can have a ornately turned art bowl or platter on a lathe, but you are never going to eat your cereal out of it. Sure. And that's not its point. Its point is for its visual beauty and how that feeds you as opposed to the fact that it holds your corn pops and feeds you that way. Okay. So that, whether that's turning, you know, cause I've seen some things where it's like a turned vessel, you know, but it's made out of a burl and there's 48,000 holes in it. And unless you're using it to hold, you know, extremely large objects, mm-hmm. it's not going to hold liquid. You're not going to be able to put flowers True. in it and pour water on it, you know, so I look at it that way um, okay. in the same way I would view furniture. Like if, for, yeah, and I furniture, woodworking in a, in a wider scope, like sure. if you're calling it something, can it be used for that function? Well, okay. you know, and that means that there's, that there's stuff that's meant for low or, pre, you know, not low, but there's roughly made things, you know, utilitarian, stuff, utilitarian things that you let your kids yep. play with, yep. or, you know, it's a firewood box or something like that. Mm-hmm. But there's also higher, more refined work sure. that requires a higher level of skill or detail or finishing or whatever, because it's fancy, you know, it's the, you know, you have your chinette, Paper yeah. plates for when you're having a cookout and you have your china yeah. that you bring out on anniversaries and Christmas dinner and yeah. things like that. Yeah.
1: We've we've had this discussion before. Like everybody knows that listens regularly knows I'm a I'm a Thomas Mosier fanboy and we've talked before <laughs> about how Thomas Mosier furniture generally in a broad sense is for people you know, the people that buy Thomas Mosier furniture are for people that don't really use the furniture. <laughs> like, right. I mean, we, we've said that before where it's like, you know, somebody on the East coast in a big, you know, a nice big, you know, 1700s house has a big dining room. They put a Thomas Mosher dining table and chairs in there and they might eat at it once a year. I, I mean, it's that type of right thing. Um, now it's completely utilitarian, but you know, whether it's your price that makes it not be their everyday thing or that just their lifestyle doesn't lend itself to using it every day. Um, you know, now that now we're discussing this, I, I started thinking about, um, uh, about Pat Carroll's website in particular. Um, and I think a lot of stuff he does is he labels, he actually labels as, um, sculpture. Hmm. Uh and I don't know that he actually labels it as you know wood turning. I mean his his website is com. Yeah. Um but he has a lot of uh different um series or lines that he makes that are they're they're not necessarily utilitarian. Uh, he has an erosion series that he does. That, I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. It's something you would put on your shelf and not use. It's decoration. I mean, in yeah, in the sense that it's a turned hollow form. So think of a you know a round globe that's completely hollow, and then he pierces it to where it's very very thin, and then he goes through and does a finishing technique on it where it looks like it is rusted metal. It just looks like it is a wire cage of rusted metal. Super cool, beautiful. I would love to own one. I'd love to learn the technique from Pat, but this is where Jamie and I started talking. Is like, how do you, where do you draw the line? Because yeah, that's that's wood turning. That's the 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 root and the stem of what he is doing. He is turning that out of wood, and uh, you know, every experienced and good wood turner will tell you, you can do whatever finishing technique you want on something. But you have to start with a good shape, so sure. you have to start with that fundamental wood turning to a good shape. Um, but then the wood turning just becomes the medium for your, you know, artistic outlet or whatever you're doing. Right. So it's just it's it's just an interesting debate. It's it's almost along the lines of, you know, is CNC woodworking or not? You know, it's it's like. <laughs> You could you could make an argument either way, you know. Um, but it just was, it was an interesting, interesting thought um, or topic. And I personally, I've started to be much more interested in that side of woodworking. Um, the the more artistic side. I mean, I like the functionality stuff. I don't ever want to. I say I don't want to ever make stuff that just hangs on the wall. But I do like doing wall hangings and stuff. But I like. Elevating what I'm making to a little bit higher degree than just sanded and finished shellac wood, you know. Sure, but yeah, it's just interesting. So, Phil, question yes. for you: Is intarsia woodworking or is it art? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I would call it woodworking, or I would call it art. Okay, and. Wood is the medium on it. See, and that's,
1: and that, I guess that's kind of exactly how I would put some of these um, really well known turners that do stuff like that. Right. It's, they're artists. Some
0: people call themselves wood artists.
1: Yeah, and that's fair. I mean, yeah. You
0: you know, because you can have, you know, there's fiber arts and, you know, pottery and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, And I, and I don't disparage it. It's not, Something that I'm interested in personally. Uh, sure. I'd i like to see how people do stuff. You know, like we've we've done some judging at the Iowa State Fair, and there are some extremely talented woodworkers in the state here oh, yeah. that exhibit at the fair. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a lot of fun to see that kind of stuff, and to you know be able to see it up close and to handle it to get a an appreciation of how. It was done, you know. And there's a, you know, a lot of them where you start to do much more complex finishing on them. That there yes. is a real practical understanding of chemistry and color theory and all that kind of stuff to be able to get some of those effects that mm-hmm. are created. Again, it's just not something that I do, but yeah, I don't.
1: Well, you know, I would. I would almost. Uh, this is a discussion you could take anywhere, but I would almost lean. You know that mark tree is the same type of thing.
0: Yeah.
1: You know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah. You're. It's still art, but with wood as the medium.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: You know, could you build a federal table without any inlay? Yeah, sure.
2: Mm-hmm. Is
1: it really federal then? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. But.
2: Yeah, you definitely definitely still need to know all the, or be masterful of all the woodworking techniques and finishing and stuff to get to that point. So it's definitely not a lower form of woodworking at all. It's just less utilitarian. So yeah.
1: I'm going to start referring to all my woodworking as utilitarian because mm-hmm. then people can't pick out flaws. It's like, no, it's just utilitarian. Right.
0: <laughs> that it's a design choice you can't criticize it It or if you call it art
2: I mean you can't criticize it it's right it's just a piece of art I mean you know it's just (laughs) freeform you know yeah
1: there's no tear out we're letting the wood tell us what it wants to do
0: right yeah it's about how it makes you feel Mm That was my topic for the day. John, oh, you're okay. up with
1: your topic of the day.
2: Oh, well, I was I was t- talking to Logan before we got started. He asked what I was doing in the shop, and I said I was working on that uh, reader's tip that was turning a junk grill into a shop cart or tool stand. Um, and when I first saw this, I thought, you know, that's the dumbest idea ever. And then as I thought about it and start, you know, you see all these grills on the curb where people are throwing away junk grills it's like maybe it's a decent idea and then when i pulled a a grill off the curb and got it in here and stripped it down it's like you know what i'm left with the solid base here and casters that's usually kind of the more expensive piece of hardware when you're putting together a mobile cart in the shop and it's got those things so good bones to start with and add a couple pieces of plywood and i got a a decent planer stand or shop cart. So, you know, maybe it's a good idea. So I don't know if you guys ever seen something like, Oh, that's dumb. And then as you think about it more, get into it and get creative with your own ideas. You're like, you know what, that's that crazy, was a pretty like good a idea. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's kind I of actually, what I'm experienced.
1: I actually texted you guys about that a couple of weeks ago. I was working on that toolbox. I saw Chris Fitch put a router upside down Mm -hmm. in his bench vice. I'm like, that's dumb, Chris. There's a router table sitting right there. Like, why are you doing that to that poor Colt? That looks dangerous. And then I started doing it. I'm like, this is phenomenal. Like this, this, (laughs) it looks like the dumbest thing in the world, but oh my God, it works so well.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I admit to doing that too, because I had my router table already set up in my shop for a particular operation that I needed to come back to and I didn't want to um tear down that setup and do something and then just go back to it so I took my other router that I have which is a Porter Cable 690 so a little bigger router mm-hmm. and I think it was just like a chamfer bit like you had or a roundover bit yeah. and I had relatively small pieces on there was using it off the bearing and at first you're like, this just feels wrong in so many ways, but you know, a router table is just basically an upside down router. That's so all it is. If you can yeah. get a solid grip on it with your bench vise without yeah. crushing it. Yep. You know, and it it worked like a champ for what I was doing. So yeah
1: it's dumb how some stuff like that just works. (laughs) Yeah. There was, there was something else I was doing in the video studio. And I know you were in there Phil and I was like, I I hate myself for saying this, but God, this works so well. And I don't really, I can't remember what it was, but it was, it was something I was doing. And I was like, oh, this is so stupid that it works so freaking well. I don't Mm. remember what it was, but it'll come to me. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. I've done the same thing as far as clamping stuff in vices, uh, like with the palm sander you're trying to sand like really tiny pieces where mm. there's no way to really hold it and put the palm sander down on it, you know, clamp the, the palm sander upside down in the vice. And then you can kind of hold it down on the, on the sandpaper and
0: yeah, works great. So it's like a small surface sander kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So, and we've had, I don't know how many tips submitted on creating some kind of a holder for mm-hmm. your sander to do just that. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, one is uh, that's technique related for me is, um, doweling using dowels to join frameworks or case pieces. And I think my hesitancy comes from having assembled far too many ready to assemble flat pack furniture pieces from college days or, Mm -hmm. you know, I think I've helped set up a couple of offices you know, and there's just a lot of that like, kind of yeah, furniture office. out there.
2: Yeah. 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 Doweled particle board and yeah, quick. Fit.
0: Yeah. And it's really, you know, the dowels in those things are really indexing mm-hmm. yeah. structures. Yeah. And I was reading a couple of James Krenoff books and putting those two together. I thought that Krenoff was a nut. I'm trying to think <laughs> that doweling would actually work. And then just over time, there were a couple of projects where I needed two pieces to register together and be connected, and I didn't know how else to do it. So I made a couple of simple doweling jigs and used those, and it's like, oh. Mm-hmm. And then since then, I've put together a couple of other things, you know, being more deliberate in the technique with it. And it's like, oh, this really does work. And I also always thought that, in order to use dowels to join, say, case pieces or edge joints on a board or something like that, that you had to have superhuman precision in order to get everything lined up. You know, because if you have like a four-foot glue up, and you try multiple and you put multiple dowels in there, each one of them has to be perfect for any of them to work. And it's really not that difficult to do
1: no. And I think there's, I, I agree exactly Like what you're saying is exactly right. You, you think that you have these rigid dowels that if they're not perfectly spaced, it won't go together. And that is <coughs> true to some degree, but I think there's enough flex in the dowels and the wood fibers compress enough that you can be off slightly and it will still go together. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know how many times I've put dowels in something <laughs> squirted glue on everything. I was like, oh shoot, I should I probably should have, uh, made sure these <laughs> fit before I glued everything. And I'm like, well, it's too <laughs> late now. And you start beating it together, and it goes, it's like, wow. Okay. Yeah. That, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Cause I'm working on that cabinet for my sister and I have several parts on there and the internal structure where I have the pieces joined together with dowels. And it was the th- that same thing where you have this, you know, tightening in your chest that all of these need to line up perfectly. And when they, after doing the drilling, you know, there's that moment of truth when you try and bring the pieces together. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, well, you know, if you're careful, yep. it really does work. And I will say that there are a lot of crap dov- or dowel jigs out there. Yeah that aren't meant for quality joinery without being super fussy with it. But, you know, if you take your time on it, using a good bit, a good drill and a decent doweling jig, even if it's a doweling jig you make, um, you can do it. And I think the, the difference between flat pack furniture dowels and fine furniture doweling is just the number of dowels you use. Yeah. You know, instead of having like three across an eight inch wide glue up, you know, you need 10. Yep.
1: yep. Well, and it's like, I think, I, I think I've mentioned this when I was building that poker table a year ago. Um, I used uh, pieces of all thread as dowels on the miter joints. So I'm like, Oh, it's, you know epoxy can grip it it's strong they're heavy pieces and the same you know same thing i i made my own dowling jig that registered against the outside corner of the miters so you're referencing off the same reference surface the top and the outside corner of each side of the joint and i mean it, just, it works phenomenally and you know if you like you said if you take your time and do it it just it works right so
2: yep and then you can always just wall out the hole and use more glue or epoxy if it doesn't,
0: that's right. So do you have a specific purpose for the grill cart, John that you're building into uh, it?
2: I was kind of leaning towards like a planer stand.
0: Oh, okay.
2: But you know, as I'm getting into it, I have a lot more ideas of like, oh, you could use this as a, you know, sharpening station where mm. you know you have your grinder on it and, um, you know you're sharpening oh, cool. stuff and um or turning it into a, a router table would be another great uh, way to use it it's a little the cart or the base that i have is a little low so you'd have to build up the top a little bit to get it up to uh, a height that i would be comfortable with but it's definitely um, usable in that manner so i mean you can go lots of different directions but yeah just trying to keep it general purpose for now and see where it goes from there.
0: So cool. That'll be fun to see. Mm -hmm. So one thing, when I was on vacation, I got to go through a couple of antique malls when I was down there, which was a lot of fun. I like going through them periodically. And it was the first time that I've been able to do that since the pandemic. And while I was there, I brought home a little uh, and vintage tool for those who are watching on the YouTubes. I'll put a sh- photo of it on the show notes page. It's a vintage lumber scale as I pass it across because it's like three feet long. <laughs> this one was made by the Lufkin Rule Company from Saginaw, Michigan. And we have one, a newer one, hanging in the studio. And we've had it hanging in the TV studio since the beginning of the TV show and they're just kind of fun tools to have around partially because it's, they're ridiculously thin and flexible mm-hmm.
1: they're fun to just whip
0: around right because it's like <laughs> I'm going to break this but it doesn't so I just love the way the <clears throat> the numbers are etched and stamped yep. on there mm-hmm. it's just got a I don't even know what that typeface is but It's sort of my new favorite number typeface. Um, For those who don't know what a lumber scale is, it's used for calculating the board footage of a given board if you were gonna buy it uh, at at a lumber yard or for retailers to quickly do that. So it's a little, it's 50% rule, 50% slide rule, 50% calculator. Something like mm-hmm. that. So and I don't know in the sawmilling world is there there's I feel like there's some other uses, right?
1: There there are. And actually sorry, I'm I was searching for the exact way to read it, and I just discovered that Woodpeckers has one or they had one. It was one time tool. Missed that boat. Jeez. Uh yeah, no. <coughs> in the in the sawmilling world. Uh, there's still a couple of companies that make, make lumber rules like that. Right. Um, they make them out of aluminum now. Uh, mostly I think there's probably still some, there's probably still some wood ones around, but a lot of them make them out of aluminum and there are, so there's three different styles or ways to calculate board feet in a log. Um, John made one called the Doyle scale. Um, there is the international scale and then there's the Scribner scale, I believe. Um, and all calculate out volume of lumber in a log, slightly different. Like international scale, I think favors the seller. Doyle scale favors the buyer a little bit. Um, anyways, uh, so a lot of those scales like that on one side will have the standard board measuring, but on the other side we'll have like log measuring scales. So not only can you like measure the butt end of a log and get a real quick calculation on what board footage is in a log. Um, There's forestry rules, and some of them are hybrids where, you know, you have the board, log, and forestry rule all in one. Mm -hmm. And there's a very particular, like, you know, you stand eight feet away from the trunk of a tree, hold it at arm level, and align one end, and it gives you a rough... Uh, breast height diameter of the tree as it's standing still, which is super cool. I mean, there's just, there's all these little neat tricks that like lumber buyers and forest buyers and timber buyers use. Um, but yeah, they, they use those, I think Bailey's online, uh, sells them still. So
0: kind of cool. Yeah. we'll we'll put a link for that in the show notes page that goes with today's episode. So it was just a, you know, whether I end up you know taking this to the lumber yard to actually measure out my boards or not it's still kind of fun to to have around the shop as a as a tool and yeah. a little bit of shop art i'm not opposed to shop art how would
1: the uh, how would the guys at the uh woodsman store feel if you brought that in and were measuring out your own <laughs> board
0: footage <laughs> oh you can calculate that off right now i got it i got that yeah, yeah I got no i that. got it all right yeah be like one of those guys that walk around like a home center and just gripe about how the sales people don't know what they're talking about so
1: uh
0: yeah so there is
1: uh conway cleveland i guess has um still makes wood ones i think that's the one that
0: we that's the one that we have in the shop i
1: believe it looks like it yeah um they make those those are sold on Bailey's online, um, uh, log, right. Um, who makes a lot of log handling stuff. They make the aluminum ones. Um, okay. and it looks like you have to buy either a Doyle an international or a Scribner mm-hmm. version of it. Um, but yeah, kind of, kind of cool tools from years past that are still in use today. It's mm-hmm. super fun.
0: Oh yeah. I so. love using old tools. Yeah. Not just for the sake of it, but just because they work. Yeah. Well,
1: I'm not even going to say it. Not even (laughs) going to say it. Wow. (laughs) Uh, No, so (laughs) on that note, uh, another old tool that really works really well is a, um, we were down what two weeks ago now this is your first week back off two weeks ago we were down uh filming an episode of the woodsman shop on the uh down at uh, our creative director's place um on the sawmill and as often happens in the middle of a log you find a couple nails and i had a super cool slide hammer it was uh it actually it says stare it on it but i don't or no, I'm sorry. It says Bridgeport. It says Bridgeport on it, but I don't think it's the people that make Bridgeport mills, oh, Okay, um, it, but it was like, I think Bridgeport, Massachusetts. Um, but it's a, uh, a nail puller. It's like a slide hammer nail puller. So there's a pincher on one end and the handle it's all, it's all cast iron. The handle slides back and then you can pound it into the log and the head drives down around the nail. And as you use the handle, the lever it out. It pinches the head of the nail and pulls it out. Um, hmm. I don't know. Like, had you ever seen one of those John before I pulled that? Out I of had
2: ones? not. I mean, the tool looked pretty old and yeah, I have not seen anything um, like that.
1: It, and... I mean, it, it just works great. Like those yeah. nails we pulled out a log, We pulled, we pulled three out. Uh, we found three nails in that log, one board after another, mm-hmm. which was really annoying. Um, <clears throat> but it, it got every one of the nails out. And those were like, they were like long finish nails. They had mm-hmm. very small heads on them, so there was nothing really to grab onto. Hmm. Uh, but it worked great; pulled yeah. it right out, especially in wet wood. You know, you're able to kind of get that little pincher head around the nail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pull it. Yeah, out.
2: I don't so... even know what modern tool you would use to 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 do that.
1: Yeah. The only thing that we've used in the past, um, my father-in-law calls them cat's paw nail oh. pullers, like the little, little guys. Right. Uh, and a lot of times they're kind of not really sharpened, but they're, they're sharper and you can kind of pound them in around the nail. But the problem is most of the time when you do that, you end up with a huge hole in the middle of your log where uh-huh. you're digging this nail out. I mean, yeah. not like you're going to use that wood right around the nail anyways, but. No, but sometimes it big,
0: just feels. Weird yeah. to make it you know, like you've essentially blasted it out of your exactly. It's
1: like, let's put some firecrackers in there.
0: <laughs> and then you did the uh redo of the seminar, right? Yeah, that
1: was that was a sore subject. I forgot about that, Phil. Thanks for bringing it back up. <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah, we had a uh. For people that are listening that don't know, we do these. We do um, our woodsmith seminars. We do them third Thursday of every month, um, and there are different topics each each month, and put on usually by a different person from the staff that kind of has a specialty. Uh, so, uh, two months ago was Steve Johnson talking about carving tools. Um, he does a lot of carving, so he's showing carving tools, basic techniques on carving, and kind of his approach. Uh, then last month I did one on a logs to lumber, kind of talking about not only breaking down a log into lumber on a sawmill, but how you could do it in your own shop. Because a lot of the things I show on the sawmill translate directly to your bandsaw with a smaller size log in the shop. Um, yeah. And the one we did on that Thursday, our audio never got turned on. And so nobody could hear anything. Thankfully, when we did it, it was 105 degrees out. Right. Like, I'm glad we did it on the hottest day of the year so far. And then we we got to the end and then we saw all the comments saying, hey, we can't hear anything. It's like, oh, no. So just immediately we're like, you know what? We'll redo it. We're going to do it on Monday. Two days later, three days later. And it was like 72 degrees out the next day. (laughs) It was awesome. <laughs> so, so yeah, it went well though. Didn't find any nails in those logs. Thankfully.
0: There you go. Cool. So, yeah. Well, it was fun to try something a little bit different too, on doing that. Cause we mm-hmm. essentially did a field trip, moving everything outside and yeah. Yeah. Then John got to experience the walnut dust. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He wasn't there was for the first truce. one.
2: Yeah. yeah. And that's probably why there was problems, you know, <laughs> it just kind of falls apart when I, when I'm not there. So <laughs> I just,
1: I love this. <laughs> I'm going to get so many hate comments. In this, when this podcast release, stop playing with the sound effects. Yeah. I do it for my own entertainment.
2: That's okay. We're, <laughs> we're fueled by the hate.
1: Yes. Right. <laughs> no, that's something we've talked about for a long time is, uh, who is it? Is it Jimmy Kimmel that does celebrities are reading mean tweets about mm-hmm. themselves. We need to do a woodsmith shop version of that. Yeah. Like r-
2: reading mean emails right. about ourselves. Cause people haven't seen us cry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, uh, that would be fun.
2: No, usually we'll get like nice letters, you know, occasionally. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, that's nice. But then we'll get like, really mean, hateful stuff. And we're like, all right, let's go. That's, that's yeah. what we do it for. Yeah, this is now what drives on. me.
1: Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah so. I'd like to see people actually read their own letters out loud that are like that, <laughs> just like, is that how you talk to people? Uh, you know, well,
2: unfortunately, and- it probably is. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, so, and it's funny, uh, because I will be the first one to say that I think we have Uh, Some of the nicest and most interesting subscribers and listeners, like every, you guys know, I like to talk. everybody knows I like to talk. I like to like hear people's stories as much. Like I love stories. That's, I guess Mm -hmm. that's what the whole thing boils down to. I love stories. So I like, I like talking to people. So we all take turns on these customer service emails for Woodsmith and Popwood and stuff. And very often, usually... Uh, usually it follows the release of a new issue. Somebody will be working on a project that was shown in that issue and they will write in and they will say, you know, Hey, I'm working on blah, blah, blah. Project from the last issue. You know, I'm on page 23 and I just, something's wrong here. Like I am trying to make this work and it just is not working. Something is wrong. I need somebody to call me back immediately. I am furious. We have other stuff we're doing. So quite often it's the next day that we call them back. And I don't know how you guys feel, but nine, I would say not even nine times out of 10, probably, you know, 99 times out of a hundred that I've gotten those emails and I call them back. The first thing out of their mouths is, Hey, I figured it out. I'm an idiot. It's like, (laughs) no, no, you just weren't looking at it correctly and there there's probably a reason for that let's figure that out but nine nine times out of ten it's like you know hey i just i i overlooked this and my fault my bad it's like not nah, cool what's you know where do you how's it going you know what are you working on right now is you know how's it going just send me pictures you know and they're always pleasant they're yeah. always pleasant yeah so
2: yeah i'm the same way when i'm building stuff from plans and it's like it's easy to overlook something, and it's like, well, what the hell? This is this is yeah. stupid. This is wrong. And then, and
1: the problem is, it's our plans when we're doing that, John. Yeah, yeah. it's like <laughs> who
2: screwed this up, and who do I have to blame and yell at? And then you like kind of look through it, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that did make sense. Yeah. Or why did they do it this way? This is dumb. And then you do it a different way that you think's better. And then you get to the end and be like, oh, oh I see why right. they did it. Yeah. Now <laughs> I'm going to redo it. Uh, so.
1: I've never done that. I don't know what you guys are yeah. talking about. I mean, you <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, they're called building pains. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's an invitation for anybody listening or watching on YouTube, just to go ahead, rip into us and, and, <laughs> comments and yeah, uh, just let us have it.
1: Or, or I'll be the positive one here. Or if you guys love us, let us know that too. <laughs> like, I mean, I know John needs to feed on the hate, but.
2: That's right. I love woodworking. <laughs> I'm like the Hulk of woodworking. <laughs> just make me mad and turn me loose in the shop
0: that's how stuff gets done
2: yeah
0: yeah so. you know we've done you know we're human we make mistakes yep. and we will try and correct those as soon as we find those and we apologize for it but let's be civil <laughs> right.
2: just we're just normal human beings. Do
0: you Or want, say it to our faces. Yeah. Do you want somebody to talk like that to uh, your children or to your yes. significant other? <laughs> I or? do want
2: people to talk like that to my children. Please
0: <laughs> put them in their place. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, so. so there you go. This was our best one yet, I think. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this one.
2: They just keep getting better. Everyone.
0: Yeah, just high level. This. Yeah. Oh. Sometimes you get to the middle of summer. Man, Yeah. I need a vacation. <laughs> All right. I think that wraps it up for another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks about today's episode, you can leave them wherever you find your podcast. whether it's the Apple iTunes podcast, or if you're watching on YouTube, you can leave comments there, or send us an email. It's uh, woodsmith at woodsmith.com. Don't forget to check out our show notes page, woodsmith.com slash podcasts, where we'll post some photos and links of the things that we've been talking about on today's episode. Otherwise, we'll see you next week on another episode of the Shop Notes Podcast. Bye, everybody.
2: This episode of Shop Notes Podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Plans. You'll find nearly a thousand plans covering everything that you'd want to build. From furniture projects to gift projects, kitchen accessories, workshop projects, and jigs, and more, find your next project at Woodsmith Plans.